welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. All right, well, let's just start. I wanted to read this introduction to you. It says, God created emotions. God has emotions. God obviously is the creator. He is creative. And as we explore God's emotions and understand the beauty of their existence, we can learn ways that we have shut down our own emotions due to harm and misunderstandings, or ways we've overexpressed our emotions and brought harm to others. Our unlocked emotions lead us into more creativity, which is God's original design for us as His most prized creation. And that's really our focus this year, is an unlocking how many have experienced some unlocking and recently? Like, and does it, what does it feel like? And, you know, the promise of God is that freedom, there's more of it. There's, there's a deep, there's, that we were locked up, not even by any, you know, issue um, that we wanted to create. But when we were locked up, we're just locked up. Locked up is locked up, right? And so um, I love he said this. One of life's greatest pursuits is in learning to express ourselves in a whole and healthy way to God and to others. We are made for relationships with God, for relationships, and God creates within us all the tools to have healthy and whole relationships. Believe it? Okay, so, you know, it's kind of like when we're at work, um, we have tools, you know, the girls were telling me the other day they had this tool they were using and it was flawed. And so while they're, it's a, it's an electric tool and it's trying to get, um, stuff off the floor. And while they're pressing on it, a screw just flies off crazy at a high rate. Now, see, that's kind of what happens to us with our emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So the over and under expression is, it's not that the tool was bad. The attachment to it was flawed. So we kept the tool and we just got a new attachment. That's kind of really a simple way to think about your emotions. They're going to operate. You can't get rid of them. It's just learning. Has something been attached to it? Has there been some sort of flawed attachment that you're trying to use the tool of your emotion with? And that creates a bunch of reactions. That creates, how many have ever had an under expression of emotion and you're just disappointed that you couldn't express what you wanted to? Anybody ever had that? Great. Anybody ha- ever had that? Over. There's, there, did you know there's some people in the room that didn't even raise their hand on the under? I'm just saying. So has anybody? So they're going to raise their hand now. Has anybody had an over expression and you're like, man, I really wish I could have controlled that a little bit better? Anybody? So see, that tells us that those tools, that emotional tool is just going on. Think about it. If you can think about it in this way, God made it as a tool. So he intends to use it. He intends to partner with you and with your emotions to use your emotions for something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like when we saw that really cool picture that Breezy, that should invoke an emotion within us. Yeah. And, and coupled with a scripture, that, that's what he's doing over us all the time. That's how he feels about us all the time. That should do something for us. Right? Yeah. 
Y'all good? Yeah. Okay. Um, when in life we finally discover our lack of ability to have the life we desire. Anybody had that? Anybody figure that out? Yeah. yeah. Then our new exploration to answer questions on how to have better relationships. Why are we unable to express our emotions and many more begin? That's where the beginning is right there in our discovery. We don't have this amazing life we wanted. Sometimes it comes through loss, comes through all kinds of directions, right? That's, that's the best place in the world. It's really great to say, oh, gosh, I don't have the life I wanted, right? Yes. For some, obviously, these questions come later in life when most of life's exhilarating times have passed them by. But for others, this deep longing begins sooner, sometimes due to the modeled unhealthiness that surrounds them in early development. In her book, Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown speaks of this search. We see the pain caused by the misuse of power. So we numb our pain and we lose track of our own power. We become terrified of feeling pain. So we engage in behaviors that become a magnet for more pain. We run from anger and grief straight into the arms of fear, perfectionism, and the desperate need for control. Know thyself. When we stop numbing and start feeling and learning again, we have to reevaluate everything. everything. How many know you're just right there? How many know you're in a reevaluating process? How many have done the reevaluating process? Great. She tells us that we're just in different places. Just know thyself. Be where you are. Don't be where someone else is. Agreed? Can you get him a handout? Um, when we stop numbing and feeling and learning again, we have to reevaluate everything, especially how to choose loving ourselves over making other people comfortable. I think you're going to discover how much of that is what we were doing. Wow. Who can do that? Think about how comfortable you are all the time. Somebody's actually their focus is to try to make you comfortable. Think about what you choose as comfort. Anyway, she says it's the hardest work she's ever done, and she continues to do it. Just remember, just choose today. You're going to do this work all the time. You're not going to do it for a couple months, and then because it doesn't pay off or look like somebody else. right? We shouldn't even be looking at somebody else like that. That's going to mess you up anyway. You know, nobody knows, you, nobody lived your life, your past, right? Nobody has your calling, your future. So the comparison thing is a waste, right? Got it? Searching for abundance. This is back to the stuff that I was writing with him. I believe Jesus is the start of this hardest work. He invites us into a life that without him is impossible and makes a startling statement. He said, I've come to give you everything in abundance. What was the thing she said? We're reevaluating everything. everything. And Jesus said, I came to give you wow. everything in abundance. See, that's the standard. Every place you don't have abundance, that's a place where the work starts. 
So think right now, what do I have just in excess and abundance? Don't need any more, don't need nothing. No one in here is going to say anything. So that tells you what? Everything is has a potential for more. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. He clearly states why he came to earth to give us everything in abundance. That statement alone should compel us into the more, more of what you ask, more of everything. I find that when we have been injured and harmed, which everyone I've ever talked to has, in those moments of our greatest disappointments, when mankind fails mankind, when humanity falls short of living from this glorious place of freedom, our trust is measurably broken, sometimes shattered. Isn't it really that place of broken trust that we find him? Isn't it? We find the author of abundance, beckoning, welcoming, pleading even. Let me help you. This need, this need needs to be defined, redefined, pursued, and known. It needs an answer. That answer is Jesus, but he was meant to be discovered in an ever-expanding discovery and known in his fullness, not just a sidecar or a tag-along, but a leader, a way-maker, a lover, a bridegroom, a friend. My purpose is to teach us how to know him more, to be made completely whole, to live in his abundance. It is, after all, all for this reason that he gave his life, that I might have and enjoy life to the full. My hope is that through this diving into the beauty of divinity, your eyes, hearts, and expressions will be remade and renewed back to God's perfect design of what he calls us, his beloved, and that you will see like he sees you will see as you will see you as he made you to be so come and pursue this journey with me into creativity and emotions of divinity in his beloved that's really right now i think what is such a focus for us because god wants god speaks to us in seasons of anointing of what he's going to do with that anointing and the reason why he does that is because there's expressions of our wholeness that needs to be displayed the reason why breezy painted that painting it was interesting i mean when she sent me that painting i had already done most of this handout over the last few days and that scripture that i read is on this handout and i thought wow there's no way she knew that and then when Cece was telling me about the words she was reading, I was like, oh, see, that all goes together. Why does he want us to see him dancing over us? Why? Some of us have never seen a father dance over us. What does it mean when a, when a father is dancing? How many had their fathers dance over them? That's what we need. That's what the world needs. Where were the f- dancing fathers? I told her she should name it Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> you know, it's it's just that moment in time where 
It's just, it's really true. This next part that he said is shaped by love. He said, he told me to think about, this is the very first verse that came to me when he told me this about creativity and emotions. He said, let's begin with creation. In verse 26 of Genesis 1, it says, let us make a man and a woman in our image to be like us. Let them reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over the creatures that creep along the ground and over the wild animals. So God created man and woman and shaped them with his image inside them. In his own beautiful image, he created his masterpiece. Yes, male and female, he created them. See, that's the picture you have to remember is that you are the masterpiece of God. I mean, surely you've seen some of these paintings, and when you look at them, I remember when Breezy did the the Black Adam. I mean, just that the way she did that just blew my. It was a mind blowing painting, obviously. But his his my, he was coming into formation. I had never seen anything just like that before. Now since then, we've seen cool stuff, you know. But as you look at these different things, I remember when Bailey first started painting these women. I was just thinking, where are those women? I mean, they are somewhere out on the planet. It's crazy how God uses this expression. And see, when we realize that we're that masterpiece, we're that mind-blowing thing that when people look at you and your story, that's why you have to tell your story. Because you can say, I used to be in jail thinking I was on a FedEx truck headed to Iceland, but now look at me. You have a story, and your story makes people believe in him. That's why... That you have to know your story. You have to, I mean, if no one has taught you to be vulnerable and talk about how to write a story, Mendel has. I mean, she has written out her story for you for the last, whatever, six years, right? And so that's what he's saying. He's saying that you're his masterpiece, and I love this. And he surveyed all he had made, and he said, I love it. I love it. And it pleased him greatly. I recently read the following snippet from an article. I love its simple statement about the complexity of what God really created, that God declared it to be very good. We must learn this and proclaim, God made me and called me very good. It's not just a declaration of hope. It's a declaration of truth. Truth sets us free. We must learn to declare the word over our lives, to change our lives, to align with his promises. What does it really matter is this article that God called creation very good. It says in this entire creation, from the smallest subatomic particles to the largest galaxies spinning in space, everything works exactly as he planned. Get your mind around that. God's in a lot more plans of stuff that happens to you than you think. I mean, to think that we have the capacity to mess up all of God's plans. See, when I came to that realization, I risked a lot more things. I'm a risk. Some people call me a risk taker. I don't think I'm a risk taker. I just think I'm a God follower. I know when he speaks. I know what he says, and I just do it. I don't measure it by its turnout, by its outcome. I don't measure one life by how many people go here. 
See, you've got to stop measuring things by the world's standards when God's asking someone to just follow. You can't mess it up. You'll take a lot more risks. You'll get less hung up on your perfectionism if you'll just follow. I mean, he's actually called you to do something that probably would offend you in your smallness. He actually sees more that you can do than you think you can do. So in your smallness, it would be awkward to do something great with this smallness. He says that this John guy, he says, this creation that God majestically called forth into being is good. It is good in its individual parts and it's good as a whole as an integrated system. In fact, this integrative cosmic sense, the text informs us that God declared it to be very good. Throughout the entire Bible, God is shaping and reshaping mankind. Right? Our original design fell with Adam and Eve, our made-in-the-image-of-God identity as sons and daughters is in need of refining in need of covenant, in need of his abiding presence. Our original design was authored by the one and only God, and Revelation proves it was in his heart that he willed to create us. That's why you have to remember that it's your will that's choosing things. It's just your will. I love how Pam says, just own your decision. Just own it with gusto. Right? See, if he's reshaping us, then part of the reshaping process is when I choose something with my will. And it's according to his will. He comes alongside and he anoints it and blesses it with favor and abundance. He's looking for a co-labor. He's looking for someone to do something. Not be a chicken butt. Right? It says, worthy are you, Revelations 4, O Lord and God, to receive the glory and honor and power. You created all things, and because of your will, they exist and were created and brought into being. Just his will. So you're made in his image. Look how much your will creates. It's, It's a powerful creator. How many have willed something? And you got it and you hated it. (laughs) Your will is powerful. That's why that's that part of us that is learning to come under the influence of him. Can you feel it? Can you feel he's trying to get you to adjust a few things, change a few things? He's trying. What's he working with? A strong will. How many were told you were a strong willed child? Okay, well, let me help you. There's, there was something happening there. <laughs> right? Someone was trying to work with you. Now, see, what happens in all, all of you that raise your hands, you've got to go back to those places and say, was it me or was it them? Yes. Was I raised underneath a dictatorship? an abusive person or was I raised with love and I was just 
kicking at the goads. See, you've got to really own, and what, what you own, you can be healed by, right? Of, of, right? Just, just actually own who you were, and see, that's, God's, that's going to keep getting reshaped. If you were raised in, in, by an abusive person, you're going to have to come out by that smallness. If you were strong-willed and you were rebellious, you're going to have to come down. There's teeter-tottering going on right there to bring what? Balance. Sons and daughters wake up. When we read in Romans 8, we realize that the entire universe, this is our number one scripture of what we're doing here at One Life. This is our little tagline. The universe is waiting for us. Sons and daughters of God to be reawakened to their destinies and their identities. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High. Romans 8, I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. Why is it even veiled? What is the veil over it? What was the veil over it? What was, what was rent when Jesus died? The veil over what? Yes, it's the access point. What becomes veiled is the access point between God and man. Because see, God has to have full access of your heart. It can't be just when I feel like it. Just when I don't feel bad. Just when I don't feel guilty. Just when I don't feel fear. Just when I don't feel like doing anything else. Right? That veil has been put up by who? Us. I mean, we can use all the reasons why we put it up or not, but the truth is that you take it down. The entire universe, that's a lot, is standing on tiptoe. Just stand on tiptoe for a few minutes. It's been standing for a long time, yearning. See, if you get this, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequence of human sin. See, human sin created more of a consequence than just for your little old body. The entire universe was enjoying the glorious son and daughter of Adam and Eve on the earth, giving God, expanding with God, the God coming down and communing with them. Sin broke the covenant, right? Jesus reinstated the covenant. So now we are free to actually engage in the same activity Adam and Eve did before the fall. You'll have to think about that one when you can help them. But now with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. Have you felt any groaning that you want to be more than you are? Have you? Have you got that yet? Have you just see it out there that, man, I think we could be more? 
I think that God's spirit could, do you have that? Anybody have that? For this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? It's a good lesson in faith for you right there as well. Throughout the pages of the word of this living God, he speaks of all God designed and desired for what he made. His blessing and favor exists within the hearts of the ones who pursue his original desire and design. The Bible's one message of how much we are loved and made to express and create with this divinity must become our one pursuit. Philippians says, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings. I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to do this, to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. And I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Isn't that a great scripture? That's what that is really his desire for us to wake up and realize that's his heart for us. Just I I read that scripture all the time that I long to be more. I long, I want to discover more. And so I, I have to keep actually asking myself, is there anything holding me back? Is there any fear I have? He doesn't work with fear. You know, it, he doesn't work with it. Yes, he doesn't. She just looked up phobias and fears for us right now. <laughs> Siri's right on it. She's right on it. And let us all advance together. Wait. So let all those who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped with these desires, God will reveal it to them. Can you tell whether someone's gripped with that desire? Do you know anybody not gripped? Well, I propose to you that us running with it and not coming down to their level. You know, I heard one time that introverts like for extroverts to stay up. They like them to stay up. Don't get down in the basement with them. Stay up. Stay happy. Stay encouraged. Don't get droopy, right? Because then, you know, if an introvert has a rough moment, they'll have something to rise up to. It's kind of the same way. If you're out doing your purpose and everybody around you knows and you're not you're not moody, you're not succumbed to anything, they're going to be like, hey, I kind of think I want to be like you. Yeah. Right? That's and that's kind of what he's saying. He's saying that he's going to reveal it to them because then it, this is the next verse. Let us all advance together. Yeah. God likes for us to do things together. Yeah. 
Let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion, one life. This is our passion here. If you don't know it, it's a great verse for you to memorize. That's what I'm doing every day of every moment I wake up. I'm doing that right there. That whole, that whole little series of scriptures, because why? I got woke up. Yeah. Romans 8 happened to me. Yeah. I wasn't always awake. Yeah. I was doing some religious activity thinking that I was going to get closer to God and He'd be happier with me. Then I realized He was happy with me no matter what I do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Embracing salvation's fullness. As we yield... To the one pursuit, then our fastened eyes become renewed into what he originally designed in us. We become what we behold. We choose to look what we choose to look at the most, then we become more like what we see. It's proof. You right now are like what you've been beholding. If you've been beholding negativity about yourself, you're probably you probably feel negative. If you've been beholding the promises of God. You're probably feeling pretty hopeful. It's just that simple. We become what we behold. This discovery of his original creation, desire, and design for humanity reignites our desire to become fully his and fully whole. Wholeness is not the lack of any brokenness. It's the pursuit of divine restoration and healing within our brokenness. See, that's the thing is it's not a thing to be broken. It's not a thing to hear God's voice. See, all these things that we thought were... I remember when I was married, I thought nobody had marriage problems like us. I thought I was the only one. Has anyone ever felt that way? No, surely not. We've evolved past that, right? It's such a weird feeling. And then, you know, after I got divorced and I started doing marriage counseling, I realized it was everybody's story. <laughs> Because it's two people that think nothing alike, that if they know God, God said be one. And they're like, how could that even possibly happen? And then we realize the only way it could possibly happen is through death of two people. And most married folks don't want to die. Death feels miserable. That's why we have 60% divorce rate just keeps getting higher and higher because we go into marriage thinking we get to live. Jesus proved to be a bridegroom, you got to die. See, it's the resurrected people that are supposed to make a covenant. Maybe that'll waft over you later. Wholeness, okay, all that would would and could harm us has already been resurrected through our surrender and acceptance and repentance into the fullness of salvation. Salvation is a journey of fullness. That's why you can't just pray prayer. That's just sort of tearing open the envelope. Jesus, I accept you. I believe that you're Savior and I've sinned and I repent. Then we open up the envelope. Do we just want to keep licking the envelope and putting it back together and keep reopening it? I mean, all the time? I mean, why would we want to do that? No, the fullness is inside. 
And see, the thing that I feel like we can't get is that Jesus lives in us. The fullness is with me all the time. Just because I decide to turn off my awareness of it doesn't mean that it's not going on. And he's always cultivating something according to the Father's heart. Right? And so that's why it shouldn't be a thing to die. Because resurrection power is the only way you can do this life anyway. Otherwise, we just go from relationship to relationship, job to job, people to people, and we just keep creating more crazy scenarios of things we do to other humans. Because death is the only way. That's the first thing we should teach our children. Die daily. That means that overnight, somehow you got woke up again. To living all on your own independently, again, just while you slept. And so that morning, it's good practice. Today, Jesus, I died daily. I die today. I take up my cross. It's not about carrying a piece of wood around. It's about knowing what needs to be on the cross and knowing what is supposed to be done with resurrection power. And you got to do it every day. Come on. We, that should be number one. Is that's, that's this life. Don't get a day off. No days off. There are no days off from dying. The day that you decide to live big in your independence is the day you're going to make a big mess. How many have made a big decision on those days that they didn't die? Look back at those. Just just pick a couple of those out. Right? We shouldn't be scared of doing what Jesus did in physical form when we just have to do it through rending of our hearts through our personal belief and faith. And the beauty of this plan is that we get to experience the same explosive power of His resurrection without hanging on the cross every day. What a free gift. Free gift. Free. It's free. Who wouldn't choose that? I would much rather live with this explosive resurrection power than live in my own independent island any day. There's so much more I get to see and explore. Right? Are you with me? Ephesians 3 says, By constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released Deep inside you, I just said it, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. God's resting place is inside you. Let him put his head down a couple of times. Right? We're always acting like Jesus' death and resurrection wasn't enough for us. Well, I need another thing to convince me I'm not horrible. I don't think there's going to be another thing. Well, I just really don't feel like getting out of bed or doing anything. Well, I don't think there's going to be another thing. It's just our receptivity of this gift. It's supposed to empower me to do something different than I would do if I didn't know him. Yeah. Really, think about it. If if a man came to earth and left his godness and died for us, and he resurrected again because God's power resurrected him, it was nothing to do with himself, and then he wants to live in us, What's bad about that? Nothing. He's trying to emanate through us. He's trying to become an explosive force within us. So don't wrestle with him in there. 
Right? Yes. It says, then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. That tells us there's a fullness of salvation. There's dimensions. Dimensions, say that. There's dimensions. Have you experienced any dimensions of His explosive love? There's more. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love? That means you can't mess it up. That means you can't mess it up. It's really far-reaching. Right? How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. Both those verses are about stuff God's going to be doing in you. Just be aware He's doing it. Right? If you have a hard time remembering, then make you a post-it. Mendel had 80 post-its all around her room before she stepped into this fullness. What was she doing? She was telling her mind how to think. She was telling her mind all the promises of God. Why? Because her mind didn't know it. Her mind knew a bunch of other stuff. She didn't need post-its for all those other things. Think about it for a minute. She remembered them easily. We still have a few pop up every now and then. we got to slap down. Because there was 40 years of training. This has only been, what are you, 57 now? Sorry, not that's me, isn't it? Look at her. She's, she's, it's not been that many years, so all those post-its were ways for her to renew her mind. They were there was an enemy to that. All those other thoughts were the enemies. So if you don't know that you can remember it, then you're going to have to come up with a system to remember it. You're going to have to make you some posters. You're going to have to tattoo it on the inside of your eyelids somewhere. So it's permanently affixed to you so you know what to believe. Right? Never doubt. I like it when he just says it like it is. God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Your most unbelievable dream exceeds your wildest imagination. He's a little bit beyond what we're thinking right now. I mean, it's whatever you, right now you can think, man, I just really hope I'm, he's way more than that. He will outdo them all. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's what's going on on the inside of you. Can't you feel it in there working? I mean, even when you're just like, no, I don't want to do it. It's still in there. You can't get rid of it. It's the hound of heaven. It's still going. It's still going. Right? We are all on our personal journey to the life of Christ being released deep inside us. It was for love that God sent his only son for us to die in our place and be resurrected into life. And that same power that raised him from the dead lives in us. God raised Jesus to life, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, you see it's a spirit, right? He will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all. We have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you're about to die. 
So, it, like, even right now, if you do stuff that you think's fleshly stuff, did you die? Nope. Did you feel like you were going to die? Did you feel discouraged, hopeless? Well, you didn't die. Hope didn't win out. And what happened? Eventually, something became illuminated. Yeah. That's this process. The old ways don't work. You've already accepted Jesus. You're already dying to the flesh every day. Even if you do some works of the flesh during the day, it's still dying out. Still becomes less satisfying. Right? For when you live controlled by the flesh, you're about to die. If you, if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, when then we taste of His abundant life? Let's reread that because that didn't sound right to me. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste of His abundant life. So that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about this is a setup to invite you into letting Him heal something in you that you never let Him heal before. That's what vulnerability is. Admitting something that you think, do, or say that you could do, think, or say without God. And allowing Him to come in and flip that all the way upside down. And then what, what kind of creativity comes out of that? Ephesians 1 says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling, that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us. You're God's inheritance. His holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. A billboard. You'll be a billboard. This is the, there's that scripture. There's the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted at, as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He's gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. He alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth, that which fills him who is being filled by it. It's a good explanation of who Jesus is, what he's doing right now, and who you are. That's what you're coming into. That's what you're maturing into. That's a lot. And all that is what he's doing in you. You're just making yourself available. You got the easy part. Changing you wouldn't be easy for you. You've tried it. Really, I'm just telling y'all, this is an invitation to let him change stuff in you. It's much more about an experience with his anointing than a bunch of... See, because then the things you do out of change look different than the things you would do to try to change yourself. The discovery of all that was designed within us 
is such a powerful rebirthing of things left unattended and atrophied within our own hearts and its passions and desires. Often when we are modeled restrained emotions and passions, we become deadened to our own hurt and sin. I've heard it a lot that we need healing for what others have done to us and what we have done to others. I think that sums up where the enemy's points of entry lie, thereby creating more and more havoc for us. Battles already won are fought over and over. Warring with lies and doubts and fears keep us busy, but not about the Father's business, but really about the business of the enemy. We spend millions of dollars on self-help and self-medications just to keep ourselves propped up with false advertising of healing or pseudo-solutions that involve behavior modification instead of true divine healing for our souls, our Adam, our old Adam nature. I propose that running right at the hurts, disappointments, disbeliefs, failures, and pains open up for more opportunity for true healing and creates momentum for the more of God. The abundance Jesus talks about just is just on the other side. Won't you come? Investing in renewal, change, health, wholeness is amazing and commendable. But without a healthy covenant community around you, vital feedback can be missing. We as a prophetic community are exploring ways that we can rise up from the ashes of our past. Whether we suppress emotions and creativity or whether we overexpress them, we are choosing to learn to operate within the family where God has placed us. The first part that I just want, I'm going to just spend a little bit of time. I'm going to let y'all read a bunch of these scriptures on your own. But it, but this is an area where he was talking about his emotions to me. It says, the Bible is filled with stories of God expressing himself with deep, passionate emotions. Throughout history, God has demonstrated himself through avenues of varying displays of all that make up the who of this divine trinity. I love to have this thought in mind as I explore the depths of God and how I am made distinctly in His image. There are too many to list here, but let's explore a few of my favorites. God made us into a mirror image of Himself. So as we read how God expresses Himself, let's keep in mind that we too are made to express ourselves just like Him. We are, after all, our fathers, sons, and daughters. Let's mirror and pattern our lives after his example, not a mere human model, but the one creator of us all. Now, I really want y'all to invest some time in just reading these scriptures. I got some about loving, and I got that one on there about dancing that I just read earlier, and about laughing, and then I got a few other for you to explore. And I really want you to do this last part. This is by no means an exhaustive list. Spend time pursuing a greater awareness of these emotions of God and Jesus and discover more of the backstory to these emotions they expressed. Try to remember going forward, there's a difference between emotions and responses and even feelings. More on that will be coming. So think, when you're reading these scriptures, don't just read that and say, hey, it's a cool scripture. God laughed at something. Why did God laugh at something? What was going on? What was he really doing? Why was, why was that going? Why did Jesus weep? Go find some emotions that were expressed and find out what was going on and realize you're supposed to model God. Wow. You know what Bill says, if you can't hate what God hates, you can't love. So 
think about it as you're reading it. I think that's a great one. Uh, Proverbs 6 there, the six things the Lord hates. I didn't even put them on there. So you have to go search out a matter. Actually find out why does he hate those things? Find out if you do. Don't just be like, oh, God's so mean. He's a hater. Emotional learning, page eight. The Bible is stocked with all the emotions, creativity, and expressions of this God we are privileged to, with the permission to call Father, Friend, Comforter, Lover, Savior, and on and on. We can never exhaust all that God is. For God is the creator of all things, including all the attributes we need to live in abundance right now, here on earth, in this moment. God is ever-present to bring about His purposes over your life. Mike Bickle makes the statement, God's anger is always directed at whatever is coming against love. I love to ponder on things that sound like a new way of saying an ancient truth. We must understand that God is a perfect example of how emotions are to be expressed, how things are to be created, but also how things are to be protected. I often see people protecting lack of boundaries more than making boundaries that matter and offer much needed protection. I see people settling for low-level living rather than establishing new patterns with healthy people. We often revert back to old beliefs, old habits, old modeling, the results of which we have already seen, rather than championing vulnerability in an area of much-needed maturity and growth in our own lives. Since God is the perfect example, wouldn't it make sense to model our behavior after His example? Yes. Wouldn't it make sense that we would need to adjust to him? Wouldn't it make sense that our smallness of any kind would need to be made whole? Back to his original design of us. We can no longer just allow our smallness to be on display to the world and call it godly. We are, after all, billboard for God. One of the first steps of healing deep emotional wounds is learning more about emotions and what emotions ex- and what emotions exist. Think of emotions like you would when eating something. After one bite, there are some things you love and some things you hate. We tend to react to that first bite and rule it out for ever eating that food again. That would be me. But as we grow in age, we realize we can't live on Skittles alone or Pammy chips on the salty island. If we exclude every food we didn't initially like, we would miss out on precious vital nutrients our body actually needs. Emotions to me are so similar. We have an unpleasant experience with an emotion and react by writing it off forever. But as we grow, we learn that our lives need to be expressed and that emotions are needed for that expression. Unfortunately, by the time we realize this, we have denied ourselves these emotions to such an extent that they have become deadened and seemingly inaccessible. It is vital to receive healing in this place. Tremendous growth, healing, and maturity in this place is available from our perfect Father and through joining a healthy community of wholeness pursuers. So the last little part is just a little exercise for you on page 9 and 10. I want you to make a list of emotions that you know are not being displayed, expressed, or experienced as you would like. You're going to have to think. I bet it will happen this week so you can jot them down. These may be underused or overused or both. 
Explore with someone beside yourself. That's a key component in this exercise. If you are trying to do it independently, you're not doing this exercise. You chose to do your own exercise. How these emotions happen for you and set up an opportunity for feedback from them. Pay close attention, especially to ticks, seemingly involuntarily repeated actions that happen when you're feeling nervous, excited, or pressure. These ticks are indicators of repressed reactions or reactions shifted to behaviors aimed to protect ourselves. These are often places where you need to address past events and receive healing. Also pay close attention to any restraint or overexpression because of discomfort or awkwardness. Let's learn that awkward is not bad. Let's say it. And that we need to look at why we feel so awkward in situations. Living below the feeling of awkwardness will only lead to extremely small living. Imagine a bar above your head, and each time you feel awkward, you lower the bar. Eventually, the bar would be so low, you couldn't even stand up straight. This is what's happening. That is what's happening each time a situation arises that makes us feel an emotion, and we don't address it. We just keep lowering the bar of living. This is not the abundant life. This exercise will help you as we dive in further to our creativity and the ability to combine our emotional strength with our creative strengths to produce outcomes and displays on our billboard for God. So I gave you a little thing on the back there. Look at all those you can put on there. You can just have a heyday with that. Right? So this is just the beginning of some goodness that I feel like Papa is going to be helping us with. I just want to pray over us before Cheryl comes up, but I really want us just to position our hearts tonight to say, I just feel like with this introduction, it just opens you up for all that's actually possible, all that he's doing for you, all that he made available for you. And this is a season really for those who invest in, I think you would come out of this season with healed emotions and expressions. And then you don't do not understand how much creativity comes from emotions. And so with that in mind, let's just pray. So Papa, right now, we just lay our lives down before you. We just take these souls that need healing and we just say they are yours. And we ask that you would begin this process with us brand new. We just forget the past. That's what he said. He said, forget the past, forget what you did yesterday, but this is a new day. And this day you can rise up and you can walk in wholeness. And so we just say wholeness, come to our tribe, come to our emotions, come to our creativity so we can walk in the passions that you made for us this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay